Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-WITH-IT. The 19th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty in the double team. Gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court. Carolina thought he'd travel with it. Weber, front court. Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams. Down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking it on Park. Reverse dunk is good. And he gets fouled by Park. Oh, my goodness. What a dunk. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! Felton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. They battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores! 17 seconds left. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Service. We've got a fun topic to talk about today. We are going to settle the case on which team that won a national championship that was coached by Roy Williams was, in fact, the best team. There's always been a long-standing debate before when 2005 won the title and then 2009 won the title. It was between those two. Then we added 2017 to the mix. So we're going to look at all three of those teams' resumes and then then determine and give our opinion on who we do believe was the best team to win a national championship. Then we're going to update you on Tar Heels in the NBA with free agency coming to a close and Summer League getting underway. But before that, we start with the pod thought of the day. And since we're talking about championships, we go back to the GOAT and Michael Jordan, who once said, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. 
Uh, just remember what I said there, that it's teamwork and intelligence. That's why I am the host of the podcast, because I'm the ultimate team player. Because you lack intelligence. Gotcha. And, yep. and I am, in fact, um, the one with the higher IQ. So there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. You want to bet that? We could actually <laughs> test that. Going with Michael Jordan, a target who won an, M- who won an NCAA and an NBA championship. Well, let's dive right into this, because... You know, we're, we're taking this time of the, the offseason to go back through Roy Williams' career as Carolina's head coach. We looked at the best non-conference wins, the best wins over Duke. Then I thought it was like, okay, you got three national championship teams. Let's just let's determine which one is the best. So I'll give you all three of the team's resumes, and then I even got some notes about all oh. about about things that all three of the teams have in common, some of the other things they have in common with some teams as well. Oh, I know one right off the bat. Don't even have to read it. Maui Championship. Got to know that, folks. So, 2005, uh, Carolina went 33-4. and They were the ACC regular season champion and, of course, the national champion. Averaged 88 points per game, which led the country. Five players averaged double figures in scoring, led by Sean May, who averaged 17.5 points, 10.7 boards. 9-2 and against top 25 teams. Their longest win streak of the season was 14 and they had a 13.8 margin of victory during the NCAA tournament. Moving on to 2009, Carolina that year went 34-4, and ACC regular season champion, national champion, averaged 89.8 points per game. That was second in the country that year. Five players averaged double figures in scoring, led by Tyler Hansborough, who averaged 20.7 points and 8.1 rebounds. They were 10-2 and against top 25 teams. Their longest win streak of the season was 13. They also had a separate 10-game win streak as well. They had a 20.1 average margin of victory in the NCAA tournament, which is, of course, the largest margin in the history of the NCAA tournament. Then to 2017, Carolina 33-7, ACC regular season champion, national champion, averaged 84.4 points per game, which was 12th in the country. Four players averaged double figures in scoring, led by Justin Jackson's 18.3 points per game. They were 10-4 and four against top 25 teams. Their longest win streak of the season was only seven games, but they did that two times during that season, and they had 11.1 more average margin of victory during their run to the NCAA title. Let's look at some things that they had in co- these teams had in common. Now. As you mentioned right off the bat, all three teams oh, that won. Was the first point. All three teams won the Maui Invitational. All three teams had four 1,000-point scores on the roster. All three teams swept NC State in the regular season. <laughs> All three of them won the ACC regular season while not winning the ACC tournament. All three of them were number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. 2005 and 2017, they were never ranked number one in the AP poll. 2005 wasn't even the final AP ranked number one team in the country. That was still Illinois. <laughs> what the? Yep. Uh, don't All right. watch it. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, then we got some stats or some good notes. This was interesting. I found 2017. If you add all the seeds up together, the, the opponents they faced in the NCAA tournament, it totaled to 34. That was the fewest number um, by one. 2009 was 35. 2005 and 17 both lost at Duke. 2009 and 2017 both had the ACC Player of the Year: Ty Lawson in 09, Justin Jackson in 17. 2005 and 2009 both had Bob Cousy Award winners, Raymond Felton in 05, Ty Lawson in 09. And in 2005 and 2009, both teams beat Villanova and Michigan State on the way to the NCAA title. Hmm. 
So there's nice. There's your resume. I love this in-depth work that you did. That was pretty man. good. This yeah, is something right here. Um, and then there's a lot of things this, these teams have in common. I think the, fir- the the first thing we've got to establish is what's the best way to, to determine the best team? Would you do it in a set best of seven, one game at a time, something like that? I think um, I think you got to do best of seven. Because I think it's like I mean, honestly, you got to win six like games to win a national test, championship. No. So if you had to if you had to put a seven game series against these th- I bet, you know these three teams, how would you determine it? I think you would start if you seed them one, two, and three with the one seed getting the bye. I'd seed the first team two thousand nine, and then two thousand five, two thousand seventeen. Would, would wouldn't play that, wouldn't each that other. answer your question though? That's why I think we have to kind of like no, you're just you're just separate seeding them. them. Yeah, but you would basically be admitting that 2009 would be the better, the best of those three teams, or I, of those three teams. I think their resume might be better. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would probably say. So if, say, you're, if yeah. you're doing off of resume, I think 2009's resume is better than 2017. It's, it's tough. Seven teams is, is strong, is really strong, because that was easily the most – um, ranked opponents that they played. That was, uh, to me, top to bottom, also easily the best that the ACC had been of those of those three time periods. Here's what I'll say about 2017 so, team. More than the other two national top teams, and maybe more than any other team that Roy Williams coached, there's always been this stigma that Carolina isn't a tough team. They're not, you know, they're more of a... Um, what's the word I'm looking finesse for? Finesse team. program yeah. back from Dean Smith and under Roy Williams. That that team was tough, I thought, from the word go. They played for 40 minutes. They were willing to give their body, dive on the floor for loose balls. They were built to win games in the half court, which a lot of teams under Roy Williams were not built to do so. That team could win games in the half court, um, which I, I think really thinks makes this a, gives them a compelling argument. It's easily the least talented team of all three national title teams, but – they had a lot of components that really made it – that really give them an argument. As you mentioned, they, they played 14 games against ranked opponents and were 10-4 and four against them. That was easily the most of any of the other three national championship teams, despite only having a win streak as long as seven games. You know, you mentioned the average margin of victory only 11.1, but you played the lowest amount of seeds in your run to the championship of all three national title teams. Like, that was just a team that – was was mentally tough, physically tough, and built to win games when they didn't play their best. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is you kind of have to wonder, like, I mean, with the 17 team, you know, they, they played tough games throughout the entire season. The, I mean, the 04, 05, and, and, and the 08, 09 team, I mean, during the regular season, I mean, they had their moments where they were tested a couple of times, but for the most part, those teams kind of rolled through everybody. Would they have been able to hold up, you know, in, in games where it came down to the end? Like, you know, you look at that national semifinal game in the Final Four against Oregon. Like, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that 17 team was just the perfect team to be able to face that moment and everything that they needed because mainly because of what they'd been through the year before. I mean, I think to to that extent, I think that 09 probably could have faced similar adversities and probably faced them just just as well. 
But, I mean, that's that 17 team. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. They definitely have an art. I mean, you look at their resume. I mean, if you just went off a win-loss, well, you'd say, well, 33 and, and 7. Overall, not all that great. But like I said, you're, you're talking about a team that was battle-tested consistently throughout the ACC regular season. I mean, one of the key things that I think you look at, at what that's why that schedule is so much tougher is look at the other two teams, 05 and 09. Which team wasn't good that was really good in 2017 or were starting to become really good? Virginia. And that was the difference. So, I mean, Carolina... I mean, there's a heck of an argument there, I think, for 17. But, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think, no doubt, if you're looking at most talented teams, I, I don't I don't think that they're on the same level. Although, their starting lineup, definitely not. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think that team, that team was probably a little bit, I would probably say they were a little bit deeper than 0405. 0-4-0-5 had some depth guys, but I think you could get more production from the 17 depth guys than the 0405. The 0405 guys were carried by their starters. I don't think that's really an argument. You look at what came off the bench for the 2017 team. Brandon Robinson, a guy who came who turned himself into an all AC and an ACC legitimate player. Luke May was not a part of the rotation really until mm-hmm. the second half of the season. Really, the NCAA tournament when he got the most playing time. Believe it or not, when he got that second that second weekend of the tournament, man, he against Butler the, uh, and Kentucky, he, he got the re, the South Region most outstanding player. Yeah, as a guy coming off the bench, um, you had Nate Brett was a bench player. Who and we've seen in the last couple of years having that guy with experience coming off the bench to run your offense under Roy Williams was proven invaluable. Mm-hmm. Seventh Woods came off the bench. Tony Bradley, a first round pick, he came off the bench. Kenny Williams came off the bench. You know stuff like that. So that that team was really it was a deep team, and um, you know I, I think the thing about that team was that. Didn't that team feel like it was laying the foundation for another 2015-16 team? Like, that championship was the most – that came out of nowhere. That team was not expected to win a national championship. They were preseason. They were they were preseason top ten team, but that was just because, really, were Carolina. That was re- – and because they returned enough starters. Um, that team felt like it was laying the foundation for 2017-18 or 2018-19 to make a run at the title. But Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, and those guys just willed Carolina – back to the Final Four, and hopefully to a national championship. Well, I think you started realizing kind of like midseason, okay, this 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 is a team that is wanting to avenge last season. Like, yeah, I feel like there was a point where you were like, all right, well, you know, you lost Marcus Page and you lost Bryce Johnson. I think a point, there was a point before the season where you were like, all right, you know, they're still going to be good, but do we really think that they're going to be national championship good? Probably not. Then you have, you know, the explosion, of, mainly the explosion of Justin Jackson that final year to become the player that he was, uh, I think was w- what was the main difference in them all of a sudden becoming that team that you thought, okay, midseason, you're like, no, this team's going to make a legitimate run at it. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, that, that, that depth that you read off is just crazy. I mean, honestly... <sighs> I mean, are they? At, I mean, they got to be right there with with '09 in terms of depth. I mean, '09 was deep, but I mean, the amount of guys that you could rotate in there. I mean, especially, I mean, Tony Bradley being a guy off the bench as your sixth man that um, 
I mean, first of all, to have a six man that's your big man is crazy. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he was really that valuable of a guy off the bench for you. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I got to admit, sit, sitting down, I, I think most people would say in their mind, 17's got no chance. They, they would get they would get blasted. But I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think <laughs> I think 05 right now might be. The why and look, that's probably because we know we know the least about them. I mean, to be to be fair to them, I mean, look, they uh, they had the hardest national championship game out of all of them, I think, against that team in Illinois. That I mean, look, everybody thought that team was destined. I think there was they better, had a fifteen point lead in the second half in that game, though. Yeah, but there were but but coming into that game, they had lost one game all season. You had, I mean, you you had NBA talent on that roster. And I mean, to me, I felt like there was more expectation for them going in than even that Gonzaga team that they played in seventeen. I mean, the oh, the oh nine. Like, look, I mean, the oh nine team. They're they're, they're still. They, I mean, they just destroyed everybody. That was the best part of that team. That Michigan State team that they played in the national championship game was was good that year, but that wasn't. To, I, I that was. Not a team that I looked at. I, like if, if you looked at the three opponents, I would say that's the worst of those three opponents. Yes, I mean when you're when your yeah, best player is Goran Sutan, I, I mean that to me what that was was that was more of a, a, a tremendous coaching job by Tom Izzo to get his team there, and then Carolina said, "Look, great story. This is over." I didn't put this on the list either. All three things that these teams had in common, they played the national title game in pretty much backyards of their opponent. Illinois, they played in St. Louis. Michigan State was in Detroit. And while the Gonzaga was in Phoenix, that is technically on the West Coast. So there was a you could see where there would be a lot of Gonzaga fans in the stands. Now, granted, Carolina was there. They showed up in the masses like they always do. But that's another thing that they pretty much, especially in 05 and 09, they were virtual road games to win a national championship. Oh, 09, 09 going in to the Final Four. Uh, basically, the narrative was if Michigan State makes it to the final, they will have home court advantage, and there is it's going to be really tough to beat them. It, it was, was a, like, it was a I guess. It was a Hoosiers story. Before Butler's run the next year, which was in Indianapolis, and Michigan State was even in that Final Four, I I would lean if I had to eliminate between O nine and seventeen or O five and seventeen, I'm eliminating seventeen because O five starting five, their 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 power, like I don't think that like seventeen could handle Sean Matt. See, I think that see, well, when, when Sean May is Sean May, I mean, he's clearly twenty six and twenty four. Like Carolina now as a group could maybe throw it at him, but that guy in the from the Duke game of the season finale until the foreign sounded against Illinois was the best player in college basketball. See, I think the depth of seventeen was what would give that 05 team a lot of problems. So would like you once would you, you started putting bringing guys in off the bench and rotating in all that depth that they had? I think that would. I mean, look, containing Sean May would be unbelievably difficult for that team. I mean, look. He first of all, dude, the amount of times that he would have Isaiah Hicks riding that bike, man, my goodness, that I mean, would be. You got to think in five. Marvin Williams is coming off the bench for you. 
He wasn't a starter. He was a bench player. Oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying overall depth, I would probably lean that 17 team. Um, I mean, look, no, Marvin Williams coming off the bench is a heck of a player. No doubt about that. That would be that that would be another guy that would be tough for Carolina to contain defensively because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Justin Jackson was a willing defender. Justin Jackson was not a great defender. Um, I think the matchup. By the way, okay. The, now, now, th- th- now, this might change your mind. You got to think. Still coming off the bench, um, Jackie Manuel, Melvin Scott, Rayshon Terry. Wes Miller, those were all bench players on that 05 team. I would still probably lean the 17 guys. I It would be close, but one of the other things that they lack there with those guys that you just pointed out, all those guys are guards. Who's that, who's that guy off the bench that's rotating in as a big man to slow down Tony Bradley when you're getting another big man in there that's fresh? I, I mean, look, I think it'd be, it'd be a, a, a great overall matchup. By the way, the, the point guard matchup between 17, Joel Berry, like we got to have both ankles messed up and he's playing with extra motivation against Raymond Felton. Oh, man, what a matchup that would be. Um, I don't know, man. It, it would be it would be really close, but I think I'd go 17. Cause, just because really? of that depth, man. I, I think if you're doing the seven-game series format, I, I really think that, they just they have they have a too much inside. I, I really feel like that would be where they would hurt them, and, and with some of the depth up. But I, I I don't know. Again, this is see, this is a lose lose argument here because like you're 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 basically trying to knock down one of the teams while propping up another one of the teams. But yeah, I, I'd have to go. I'd have to go seventeen. Wow. So that would set up a two thousand nine. Versus 2017 for you, and then in my opinion, 2009 and 2005 for me. Um, I think that's always, you know, in my situation, that's always been the narrative. Those were the two best teams that won a national championship. A lot of people think those were the two best teams that Roy Williams ever had. I think there's an argument, and we'll do it on the next podcast, the best teams that didn't win a national championship. Well, that, that one Now, that one I think will be even uh, even more fun. Yeah. That, that's going to be – because then you have to make the argument. You you basically have to make the case that of why they would have won the right. championship. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's a compelling argument. The, the best thing about it, my two teams played against each other – Points would be at a premium. 09 average 90. 05 average 17. Um, Carolina was battle tested both years, 10 and 2 and against top 25 teams in 09. 9 and 2 against top 25 teams in 05. But unlike 17, in the starting five, 09 has an answer for Sean May and Tyler Hansborough because as good as Sean May was, if there's a guy that could match his intensity, it, let alone exceed it, Tyler Hansborough could do that. And then you mentioned the point guard matchup of potential a Joel Berry, 2017 Joel Berry, 05 Ty Lawson, or 05 Raymond Felton. I, You know, Tyler Hansborough gets all the acclaim for that 09 championship. And he should because he's the most decorated Tar Heel in the history of this program. He's the best player to ever play at North Carolina in college. We saw what Carolina looked like without – 
Ty Lawson in that ACC tournament, and it wasn't a team that looked like it could go very far in the NCAA tournament. And even you go back to that game against LSU in that second round where he was not playing up to par, Carolina was down nine in the second half in Greensboro. He turns it on, scores 21 points in the second half. Carolina pulls away and goes all the way to the national championship. I don't know if there's ever been a point guard more important to a national title team than Ty Lawson was in 09. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I didn't think either way coming into this matchup there would be much of a competition here. I think the 09 team is so, so clearly the best team. I, I mean, there's just – I mean, you look at the starting lineup. I mean, it, it, you've got three guys that went on to the NBA, and I, I mean, look – I think that if they had landed in the right situations, every one of them could have still been in the league. He had right four. Now. Lawson, Ellington, Green. What did I say? Did I say five? You said three. I said three. Why and, did I say three? And Hansborough. Four. Yeah, I don't know. And what. then coming off the bench, two more NBA players. Well, yeah, Ed yeah. Davis, I mean, Tyler Zeller. Right, right, right. But I'm saying in your starting lineup, yeah. you had four guys. I don't know why I said three. You had four guys that average double-digit points for you that went on. And, and I mean, like I said, you know, Ty Lawson would still be in the league if he didn't have the off-the-court troubles. I, I think that. that if Tyler Hansborough had landed in the right situation, because I didn't think – I think when he got stuck behind Roy Hibbert in Indiana, that re- and they, they just never really gave him a great opportunity there. I think he would have been able – to at least have a more successful career. I think he I, might still be in the league. I probably wouldn't play a big role. If he developed a legitimate perimeter game, because remember, when we grew up watching, the fact he could make an 18-foot jump shot to us at the time was mind-blown because bigs didn't do that. In this time in the NBA, in less than five years, if you weren't able to shoot the three-pointer, you were pretty much irrelevant because Steph right. Curry and Clay Thompson and every they, they changed the league. They made it to a spacing league. Um, which is why overseas he's been a much more productive player because it's not as it's not as was imperative over there that you got to be able to hit a three pointer to play. Well, I mean, he showed the ability to space the floor a little bit in his time at Carolina. I mean, it wasn't often, but it was it was there. It just feels like that wasn't really something that was worked on. Now, part of that might be that he didn't buy in. I mean, we don't know the whole situation there in Indiana, but um, I don't think. I mean. You could throw whoever you want at him. Uh, Isaiah Hicks ain't going to be able to slow him down. Uh, Kennedy Meeks, look, man, Kennedy Meeks, his senior year was an extremely hardworking player. There's not He's been not more, slowing down. There's not Hansburg. been a more dominant college basketball player in the history of this, in the modern era of the sport Definitely. than Tyler Hansborough. Since the UCLA dynasty ended, and I guess we'll use the modern era when the tournament expanded to 64 teams. Of course, now it's 68. No one's been more dominant in college than Hansborough. Not Anthony Davis, not J.J. Redick, not some of these other guys that were really great in college and even better in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, he lead, he's the ACC all-time leading scorer. The ACC is the best basketball conference in the country, and it's not an argument. If you lead that conference in scoring and you surpass a guy like J.J. Redick, you're doing something right. Also, go back and look at his freshman year, too. Like, if you want to compare him to Anthony Davis. I mean, his numbers his freshman year were very, very good as well. This wasn't a guy that took, you know, four years to develop and just piled up a bunch of points, and that's the only reason why. No, he was good from the word go. In an era where guys really weren't supposed to be that good as freshmen. No. That you weren't supposed to play that often because – 
freshman. That was just that, that was how it worked. Nowadays, it's a lot different. But uh, yeah, I mean, no way they're slowing him down. I think. Again, I think Joel Berry and and Ty Lawson would be a great point guard matchup. But yeah, I think Ty Lawson just you know it, the ability for them to speed that team up. As even though that team could run at times, I, I don't think they would have been able to handle that speed. I don't think so either. I don't think we've never seen anyone in college. Maybe maybe John Wall at two, in Kentucky, two thousand ten. That could not with ninety four feet compete with Ty Lawson's speed, and then you're talking about Wayne Ellington and Danny Green, who can knock down shots from the outside. But then the other thing that I talked about is you look, they've got those three bigs inside that can compete with the three bigs of seventeen. And I'm going to be honest, I'm probably leaning that they're a little bit more talented. Um, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, Isaiah Hicks, Deion Thompson, I think is probably a push. I think those, I'd still go Deion Thompson though. Really, I'd still go. See, Deion I think Thompson. if I had to lean, I'd probably go Hicks. Because I, I, I Hicks think, was a liability for the most of that seventeen team because he was always in foul trouble. I wouldn't say a liability. I mean, he had his moments where he got into. He, he was he was definitely not the greatest defender, but the thing that he could do a little bit better than. Dion could do is he could get the ball in his hands and drive the basket if needed. We saw that a couple of times for him. He wasn't hitting that 18-foot shot like Dion Thompson could, though. Yeah, I, I mean, that's why I, I, I would say that's probably a push there. Um, but, I mean, like, Hansborough, Kennedy Meeks, I mean, come on. That's no competition there. And I would go Ed Davis over Tony Bradley. I, th- I think Tony Bradley was a hell of a player, but, I, man, Ed Davis – Good God, Ed Davis was so good, especially coming off the bench. And then, as you mentioned, then you got Tyler Zeller, too, as well. So, I just, I don't, and, and I mean, you talk about a veteran point guard and Bobby Frazier that could come off the bench, too, for you. Um, the thing Will, I, Even Will Graves, man. Like, I, I mean. Pre-2010 Will Graves when he was our best scoring option. The one thing I think that gets lost about 2009 is everyone thinks that when they lost in 08 to Kansas, they committed right then and there to coming back. And that simply wasn't the case. Lawson, Ellington, and Green were all in the NBA draft. They withdrew at the time the final day of the draft, which was in the middle of June. And the conversation that Roy Williams had with them was, look, we want you to come back to win us, to win a national championship. So if you come back to school here, this you're, you're coming back to – Finish your education and win a title. Not improve your NBA draft stock. If you if, if that's what you want to do, then you're not coming back here. You need to go on to the NBA. And I think that's we always think that 17 was always the most committed team. But I think the second that all three all three of those guys withdrew their name in 09 to come back, I think that showed right there because they were given the option to go to, to go to the NBA right then and there. No hard feelings. We'll figure it out. But they said nope. We're going to come back. Finish what we started. Here's 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 a question that I think's interesting here. If if they had been eligible, do you think that night of or, you know, pretty close to the night of, you think that Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson would have said we're coming back to try to win a win a title? Because I think yes. no doubt they yes. would have been on the spot. Let's let's come back and do it again. I love Marcus Page is my favorite target I've got to see play. That 2015-16 is my favorite team I've ever got to watch play. And yeah, I would as, agree with that. And as much yep. as I love Paige and I loved that year's version of Bryce Johnson, 
if you thought they were if they were NBA players, you were lying to yourself. They were they were great college basketball players that okay, I knew, but okay. I knew at the time. I knew all along their best professional career is going to be spent overseas, which has been proven true. So to me, it had been a no brainer that they would have came back to school. And okay, so those guys loved being at college with similar draft stock to the guys that were yes. there. I would because say, see, the way, that's, I think yes, because the way they lost the national championship, right? I think so too. Yep. Um, you lose on a. Everyone thinks well, we lost on a buzzer. And look, that was that hurt. But they were down double digits with two minutes left to go in the game. The game was essentially was, over. All right, all right. We so <laughs> let's please. I, look, I I don't want to cry on this podcast. I, I let's save that for the next edition when we bring that team up, and then I will I, I will physically cry about that team. So are we in agreement that the 2009 team is the best team to win a national championship I, under I Roy Williams? So, man, I, I just there's there's just way too much there. Like I, I I know that everybody will say you know right off right offhand like if you ask that question without really thinking it through that that would be the answer. But even when you go through and break it down, I, I really just think there's just it, it, it's it, it's all there that that team was just loaded. There was no way to stop that. I mean, you got to think. That team almost averaged 90 points a game in co- in college basketball. Another team averaged more. I, that's when I, when I when I looked at that. Stat, I can't believe that. Who the who the who was that team? It was. If I had to go off the top of my head, I'd probably go maybe Gonzaga. Maybe. Ah, yeah. Um. Okay. So, and I'm with you. I think 09's the best team. Real quick, true or false, off the top of your head, does the could does does is the 2009 team the best team to win a national championship at North Carolina? Is it better than 82? Five, four. Yeah, I would I say, say true, so. false. I, yeah, true. I would. Yeah, I, I mean, the other thing is, is I mean, we just we don't have the knowledge of the 82 team like we do of the 09 team. But I, I, I mean, okay, but we've we've watched we watched the replay last year against our a game against Gonzaga when we were going through the COVID and they put that game on because there's no NCAA tournament. We've seen some other games during the Michael Jordan's last dance and some and some specials they showed of, of that of that team in college. So See, I mean we, th- there's there's a lot of knowledge and a background to that national I'm, title I'm team. Going to be honest, I would say yes. I would say true because I I I'm I don't see a weakness in the 09 team. Where where's what is the weakness with that team? Where do you attack that team? What's well, the weakness in '82 with a team that's got Michael Jordan, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, Matt Doherty? I think Doherty was probably the weakness of of the group. Of Former that podcast group. out here calling him hey, the weak hey, link look, of a team that I won. see him every Thursday at WFNZ. But I, if I'm going to be honest with you, he was not much of a scoring threat. Where all five of the guys on the floor for Carolina in that 9 team could score the ball and they could defend. That's all I'm saying. But see, this is why I hate doing this because we're picking at straws of teams like like that 82 team. I mean, that team beats what? 90, 95, maybe even more than that. It's probably like 97, 98% of the teams to ever play college basketball. But you're talking about a team in 9 that could beat 99% of the teams because they're just that loaded. Like that's... 
I, that's why I hate doing this because it makes it seem like you're crapping on one team when it's like, no, we're really not. We're just saying that this is one area where they might be a little bit better if we're choosing. That's the only that's the only reason I would say oh nine. One more true false. We've been watching college basketball since the sixth grade. That was a course or, or for me the sixth grade, our first really tournament run was the loss to Kansas in the O eight Final Four. So from O eight to this past yeah. year, two thousand twenty one, we've seen roughly thirteen to fourteen national title teams. Is that O nine team the best team we've ever seen win a national championship? You got two thousand twelve Kentucky on the docket. Uh, and I would probably put 2018 um, no, Villanova no, on the no, docket. No, that's not good. I'm going to tell you. And then, that then, is not going to be my answer. And then I would probably go this past year, 2021 Baylor team as the other three teams that I've seen that were dominant in season and in March Madness. See, I, look, I want to give Baylor a lot of credit, but here's my thing about that team. Coming into that tournament, they weren't even the favorite. Yeah. Gonzaga was the favorite. So, I mean, look, great season, unbelievable, made a believer out of me because I've always been that guy that told you I will never believe in Scott Drew because he always he, he always killed my brackets when I would believe in him. Now I have no choice but to believe in him. Um, I, I Yeah, I think 09 and that 12, that, that, uh, 12 Kentucky team would probably come down to. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, look, we're the people that believe that if that – Tar, if that Tar Heel team in 2012 stays healthy, they won the national. They give them a heck of a run, at least. I and I'm with you. I think the veterans would have given them so many props. So yeah, no, I would probably say it is the best team, but I think it's I think it's close. I, I real that that 2012 Kentucky team is 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 very. It, I mean, good. one of the best of all time. I mean, there's a reason why they are talked about in, in the way that they are. So. Uh, I would say true. Yeah, I would say true. Okay. So there we go, guys. We have come to the consensus that the 2009 Tar Heels were the best team that won a national you're stunned, championship folks, at home under Roy Williams. As I mentioned, we were going to update you on the Tar Heels going on in the NBA as free agency has kind of come to a close. So we'll update you on everyone is. Reggie Bullock, he has left our beloved New York Knicks, signed a three-year deal with the Dallas Mavericks. Wayne Ellington has returned to the Los Angeles Lakers on a two-year deal as the Lakers try to add shooting to a 80-year-old roster. Ring. Uh, he's getting a ring. Try, yeah, chasing a championship. <clears throat> Tony Bradley joins former Tar Heel Kobe White in Chicago. Danny Green, after some thought, re-signed with the Philadelphia 76ers. That's all the free agency news. In the Summer League, Kenny Williams and Joel Berry are both on the Hornets Summer League roster. Uh, did Joel get added to the Hornets roster? I did not see yep. that. I like that. Uh, Sterling Manley, as we mentioned, he's chasing a pro for career. Him. He Very got on with the Bulls Summer League team. And Isaiah Hicks is participating in the Summer League with the Los Angeles Clippers. So nice. There's, there's nice. your look at... Pro heels, tar the heels way, in the NBA. Can, to, can 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 this be Tony Bradley's last move? Like this dude has that, been on like do. Th- this dude has been on like eighteen. He's going to be years. a journeyman center. I, I I get that, but can can this journey last like two years? I mean, it might. I mean, he was in Philadelphia. This guy for, literally gets moved every chance that they get to move him. This is unbelievable. Well, he's valuable <sighs> when it comes to rebounding and the and playing defense. He's still never developed an offensive game, and the NBA, as much as any league in sports, is all about scoring. Okay, here's a quick question for you because you've been giving me these true falls. Which one of the guys that is on a summer league roster do you think has the best chance to make an actual roster? Isaiah Hicks. 
Okay. He's had the most success, whether it's in the NBA, because he did play for the Knicks at a time. He's had some success in the G League. Kenny Williams has spent some time with the Spurs G League organization. Joel Berry will be back overseas most likely. See, I think I think Kenny's interesting because of the type of system that he plays in with Borrego where they're going to value – well. There's they're a, supposed to value defense. They have a really chance valued. for him there because they need they need they need shooting. They need someone that can guard on the perimeter. Yes, he can Dear do God, that. Yes, but the problem is, and you saw it in college when he's not when he's not making three pointers, his defense isn't enough to value having him on the court. Um, but if he if he can shoot, you know, thirty five percent or better from three, and this in today's NBA, you know, that's you know you can get a job. So there's your look at Tar Heels and the NBA. We're gonna go ahead and get out of here before we let you go. Get you guys to the website heeltoughblog.com where we are closing in on the start of football season. We have every position preview up on the website. Go check out all the position previews as Anthony brings breaks them down on the on the blog format. We also pod recorded podcasts and broken down a little bit and further. Coming up, we'll be giving you our bold predictions for the season, breakout players for the upcoming season before we get you ready for that season opener at Virginia Tech. Basketball side of things, a little quieter this time of year. I did put an article up about the about recruiting, updating the recruiting in the month of August as Hubert Davis has been very busy offering guys in the 2023 class. So go check that out. Get all your news about 2023 recruiting targets for Carolina basketball. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we do want uh, do want you guys to get to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. We are now, of course, on the Megaphone app. So Megaphone, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. Give us a like. Give us every bit. But we want you guys to subscribe. Well, you get every podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.